there. Welcome to the Happiness Between Tales podcast. Do you love writing, great fiction, culture, fine art, and compassion? I mean, truly love them. I'm Doll, and I sure do. That's why I produce Happiness Between Tales, to foster creativity and understanding. As an Emmy Award-winning former journalist, join me on my learning to write and publish fiction journey. Wherever you find your podcasts, hit subscribe. That way you'll never miss a single completely free episode of Happiness Between Tales. While you're getting Happiness Between Tales delivered automatically, help keep it going by giving it a like, five stars, and a comment. And tell your friends so they too can enjoy tail wags and the making of tails. Check out happinessbetweentails.com for more information. And now, kick back and enjoy this episode of Happiness Between Tales. You know how it goes when you're doing research, maybe for something you're writing? Google one thing and end up in a totally different place. In my case, since my novel in progress is called Flamenco and the Sitting Cat, it started with looking up the Spanish iconic painter Francisco de Goya. Coming across his work from the 1700s, a portrait of a prior Duchess of Alba, which sent me clicking. Goya's image, called the Black Duchess, portrays a young woman in a mostly frilly black outfit that's punctuated with a red sash, as well as a gold blouse, shoes, and accessories. A proud attitude and defiant pose turn her average face memorable. More clicking led to a modern-day Duchess of Alba. Maria del Rosario Cayetana Fitzjames Stewart y Silva, the 18th Duchess of Alba, remains the most titled of aristocrats. Much was made of her socialite joie de vivre. She married three times and outlived her first two husbands. Spouses two and three were commoners, and the last one was 25 years her junior. She danced flamenco at that wedding. When her kids fussed about her love interests, she retorted that as divorcees, they ought to mind their own business. Shortly before she died, plastic surgery morphed her conventionally pleasing looks into the plastic surgery disaster you've seen before on women with excess money. Her button nose sits at the center of a stretched and puffy mask, her lips duck-like. It's no business of mine what others think of their looks, and if they care, I encourage people to do whatever allows them to love themselves more. The reason I've brought this present time duchess to your attention is because I'd love for you to fill me in on anything you might know about her. Her in-your-face boldness is something I'd give anything to pull off. More to her credit, she didn't seem to take herself too seriously and she had a great sense of humor. At that flamenco wedding, she handed out whimsical party favors that were little sculptures of her face, broad lips, deep-set eyes and whirlwind hairstyle. Seeing photographs from late in her life, though, compels me to wonder why men don't change their appearances as frequently and dramatically as women do? Sure, one need look no further than our orange-haired embarrassment of a former U.S. president, but men still lag far behind women when it comes to the extensive remodeling that induces a double-take. Maybe it has to do with how girls and women are culturally and commercially targeted non-stop about how they appear. There's a cruel power play that never ends, no matter how old we get. It's as insignificant as when a yoga classmate gives me lip for favoring a little makeup and heels, and as weighty as when an influential woman is marked as a crackpot because she doesn't look Wall Street enough. Today's guest shows us how ugliness and cuteness can blend together, certainly when it comes to elfins. Birgit hails from Germany and blogs from Denmark. At her site, which is B-I-R-G-I-T-D-I, 
E S T A R K E B L O G dot com. There's always something uplifting, educational, beautiful, and fun, including videos of her and her gentlemen making music. A true elfin story by Birgit. That's it. I cannot do anything else for now. I will have to continue in spring. The beginning is done, the fireplace, the ladder, the tiled path, the area for gatherings, the rest will have to wait. A pile of firewood is also ready. What I am talking about is, of course, the elfin dwelling place in the birch tree stump. I have marked the places for the entrance door and the windows, but it is getting too cold to accomplish artistic wood carvings. The following winter is comparatively mild, but gray, rainy, stormy, in short, not cozy at all. The spring bulbs are slowly coming our with their first green. At the beginning of May, my husband enters the kitchen and says enthusiastically that the door, which I have carved into the birch stump looks incredibly real, the windows as well. I rush into the garden right away. It is true. Where I have marked the door last winter, is now an intricate carving looking like Yggdrasil, the world tree from the Nordic cosmology. Further up I can see two windows. They do not look real, no, they are real, with frames and panes and everything. This is not my handiwork. I have not hollowed the tree stump and put in windows and a door. I believe my husband is playing a joke on me. I take him to task, but he denies all knowledge of the matter. Very well then, I will let him have his fun. The same night, around one o'clock in the morning, I take a last stroll in the garden, as I often do. There isn't any wind for a change. I detect a light at the south end of the house. Has my husband lit the candles? On the birch stump I discover a little figure, swathed in bright light. It is dressed in green cloth from top to toe. Furthermore, one can clearly see four wings on its back. Am I going crazy? Is my imagination running wild? No, my husband must be playing a practical joke. Somehow he is projecting pictures. I go back into the house to tell him that he cannot fool me. I discover that he is already in bed and asleep. What am I to think? I look out of the southern window. The little figure is still standing out there and is looking directly into my eyes. I go outside again and head towards the birch stump. The elfin, and such a one it is, is not moving an inch. This first night we only look at each other in silence. I do not remember how long, but very long. During the following nights we start talking. The elfin understands me and speaks our language. Incredible. What did I expect? Four elfins have moved into the tree stump, two couples. From my preparations, they could see that they would be welcome here. They have embellished everything a lot. The door was too low, the gathering place too small, but then I did not know how tall an elfin was, did I? It is wonderful to have the small creatures living in the garden. I could watch them for hours. But one day a devil is possessing me. I want to prove to other people that the elfins exist, that they are not purely spawn of my imagination. So I take my husband's camera and secretly take some photos. Only one of them is really sharp. But, what is that? Those are not the creatures that I photographed. The figures on the photo look like brown goldsmiths, still dressed in green, but looking more like insects and with ugly, wrinkly faces. One says that a camera does not lie. I don't know what to believe. The next evening I confront the elfins with the photo that I have printed out. They are startled, 
and then sad, letting their shoulders sag. Slowly their appearance changes, until they resemble the creatures on the photo. But then they begin to whisper among each other, and I notice that their sadness turns into rage. They all look at me with very angry eyes. Can the small ones seriously harm me? I ask myself. You know what? I say. I will burn the photo. Nobody will ever know anything about this. I take a match and burn the photo on the spot. The faces are looking friendlier already. They come to me and tell me that the elfin faces I have seen so far are only projections, because they have only experienced rejection with their real appearance. People had thought that they were big insects and had tried to kill them. As they are magical creatures, they had thought up the deception with the projection. They had given themselves the cutest possible appearance, so that they would be generally accepted. Although it does not really matter so much anymore. Hardly anybody can see us nowadays, not even the children, I am told. I am glad that peace is restored and the elfins don't bear a grudge. All four of them have already changed into their cute version again. I wish them good night and go back into the house. Before I go to bed, I want to delete the electronic original of the photo. My finger hovers a long moment above the delete key. This photo is my only proof of what elfins really look like. But does it really matter? What do those, who do not believe in elfins, care whether they are cute or not? I press the key, the photo is deleted. I will take the secret with me into my grave. Epilogue 20 years have gone by now. The elfins are very comfortable in our garden. The furry animals stay away from them. Their only irritation is the clumsy pheasant that upsets everything and often tears the pile of firewood apart. I wonder what he expects to find there? They do not care so much anymore about their projected image. I don't care. I have grown fond of them, they are my friends, no matter what they look like. My husband also started seeing them after a while. Sometimes they make themselves invisible and pull his beard to tease him. From one second to the other, the cute little creatures become an irritating gang of mosquitoes. When we are alone, to provoke me, he sometimes calls them my tame goldsmiths. But it is all in good humor, everybody respects each other. When the elfins have children, they urge them quite soon to find their own dwelling, so that the birch stump is not overpopulated. They are six now, one more couple has moved in. From under the roots of the birch stump they have dug a secret tunnel. Not even I was told where it surfaces. I do understand them. How do you define beauty? Record your experiences, thoughts, and questions on my podcast page at Anchor by Spotify or email me at happinessbetweentails.com where you'll find photos of Birgit, her garden, and Duchess's past as well as contemporary. There you'll also find links related to today's topics, including Birgit's, which is B. I. R. G. I. T. D. I. E. S. T. A. R. K. E. B. L. O. G. dot com. Like what you heard? You're supported by me at coffee.com backslash support H. B. T would be much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in. This is Doll for Happiness Between Tales. Send me your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through happinessbetweentales.com, where you can find out more about the show and me. To get Happiness Between Tales delivered automatically, be sure to subscribe. You'll help the show thrive by liking it, rating it five stars, commenting, and telling your friends to check it out. 
See you at the next episode for more tail wags and the making of tails.